One of the taglines, which you saw it in the, in the, uh, the, the uh, oh, actually, let me, let me just say a big welcome. Uh, I, I kept looking around for you guys, Brother Udo, and uh, would you stand with me, if you would? Brother Udo from uh, Wales and Brother Eric from, from Italy with, uh, with us, with Mark Tantas. Would you welcome them all the way from, yeah. They are here for a GROW conference this week, and uh, they, they came by yesterday and met some of the members of our dream team that were setting up yesterday, so it was good, and I, I think I'm going to have the opportunity to fellowship some with them this week and, and uh, let them ask questions. Y'all pray that I have some answers, okay? All right, so uh, one of the taglines you saw it in the, the video, the bumper there just a few moments ago was, you know his name, okay? So somebody tell me his name. So... You know his name, right? Or do you? Is that really his name? Oh, okay, come on, somebody. Some of you born fans, what's his real name? David Webb. See, so you don't even you don't even know his name. I mean, we, you know, that's the thing. You know his name. No, we don't. We don't even know his name, really. Because we weren't paying attention in number three when he finally finds out what his real name was. David Webb. You know, and so you know, you guys say, well. Well, then, why do they call it born? Well, he didn't even know his name. We didn't know his name, you know, at first. So now, you know, that we're this far into it. You can't change the name of the series, right? And it'd be kind of lame to call it Web, right? <laughs> Just Web. And so there, it's, it's still born, all right? Okay, but here, here, here's the whole thing. Um, th- this thing about knowing his name and everything. We, he is after knowing who he is. But knowing who he is is not just knowing his name. Okay, uh, Haley, raise your hand again. This is Haley, everybody. Brent's introduced you, now I've introduced you. Everybody know Haley? If you didn't know Haley before now, you still don't know Haley. You just know there's a blonde young lady over here named Haley. You don't know her. So knowing his name is born, or now knowing it's David Webb, you still don't know him. I mean, you, you get need to get to know Haley. Like, you need to connect with her about her serve project or something and get to know Haley. You know, you need to get to know, get to know people. And, 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 and born, he was after more than just knowing his name. You know, in number three, he, he, he is told what his name is. He finds out his name. And, and you know what? There's still a number four and now a number five. It's not over. That's not all it is. You know, our, our, our names that we have, they don't really tell us that much about ourselves. They, they, you know what, most of our names, they tell us more about our parents, you know, what kind of names your parents liked when you were, when you were, uh, you know, your mom was pregnant with you. And, and, you know, uh, these, you know, these days, pretty much everybody knows for having a boy or a girl before it gets, so they've already got a name picked out, you know? And so even before they see really what you look like, they're already naming you. So they're not naming you because of what you look like. Somebody say, thank God, you know, that they're not naming you for that. You know, we pick up names like that. I mean, knowing your name tells you more about your parents than it does about you. Now, but we get other names, right? As we grow up, we get other names, we get pet names, or we get nicknames. You know, anybody have a nickname in elementary school or middle school, you know, or high school? And in the middle, the elementary school probably were some of the most cruel, right? Do you have any, any runts here? Anybody call runt when you were little? You know, you don't have to raise your hand, you know, if you, you know, or, or four eyes. That was one of the reasons I never wanted to wear glasses in school. It's because I didn't want to be four eyes, you know, or, or anybody here a junior, you know, was anybody here called stinky back when you were in school? Anybody? Anybody? Okay. Good thing you didn't raise your hand. You know, four or five people would have just slid away from you right now. Right. You know, gl- glad you didn't get that. 
You know, but those names like that, you know, those names, they, uh, they didn't really tell us about who you are. They don't tell us about who you are today. I hope you're not still stinky, you know. You, know, you might still be four eyes, but I hope you're not still stinky. They don't tell us about that. Um, or maybe some of you, you ever called lazy? Lazy, yeah. I was called lazy a lot when I was younger. I had one granddad, he just used to look at me and shake his head. You know, I was called lazy. How about liar? Cheat? Thief? Oh, nobody's raising their hand now, thank God. Right? And even if we had been, you know, we wouldn't be wanting to admit that right now. And some of us live under the, under the weight of a name like that. And you don't have to do that. Because those are people who are talking about your past. Let me show you something, okay? Liar, cheat, thief. That was, there was somebody in the Bible that that was basically what his name had come to mean. And it's in Genesis chapter 35, verse 10. And this is about a man, and there is so much written about this man, and not just in Genesis. I mean, his name comes up later and later, and even in the New Testament, because he's really important. You're going to see why here in just a second. Verse 10, Genesis 35, tells us a lot about him even though you got to know the back story for you to understand it all. God said to him, your name is Jacob, but you will no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel. Now, why did God change Jacob's name to Israel? Okay, because I, I've just, you know, just been trying to kind of tell you that your name isn't really that important, you know, because your name really talks about who you used to be and all of that. That's kind of why God did this. Because the name Jacob means literally heel catcher. Hill catcher. Can you imagine you, your mom and dad had named you Hill catcher? You know, and so then in the evening when it's time to come in for dinner, you know what? Your mom opens the back door, yells, Hill catcher! <laughs> Hill catcher, come in. You know, you, you, know, you, know you, would have, you would be able to have all of the, you know, all of the email addresses you wanted. You could be Hill catcher at AOL.com, Hill catcher at gmail.com, because there's nobody else got that name, right? You could have, I mean, it, imagine having that name. Okay, now, back in those days, so that, that is the very literal interpretation, English interpretation of the name Jacob. Here's why he got it. It's when, when he was in his mother's womb, he was a twin, and his mother even said that the babies were like wrestling or jostling inside of her. They were, they were in turmoil, you know, they were, they were fighting or something was going on and, you know, kicking against one another. And so then when they were born, one of them was born and, and as he came out, the one, he came out first and as he was coming out, the other one, it was said, reached and grabbed the heel of the one that was born first. So the second one that was born was given the name Jacob, which literally means heel catcher. That sounds like a really, really bad name. I mean, because no, we don't want to be called heel catcher, but what it was really kind of saying is, is he was a striver. He was someone who was going after it. He was someone who was reaching forward and, and, and going out. He was, he, was, he was grappling with. So all the way back to before he was born, he was grappling, he was, he was reaching, and he was striving. And, and then in, in birth even he was. But then as, as he grows up, he, now some people will say, and his brother Esau would definitely say, he steals his brother's birthright. I don't say he stole his brother's birthright. He bargained for his brother's birthright. That's different, okay? And if you bargain with somebody and they don't give you what you, know, and they don't give you, what you bargained for, okay, maybe they stole. But if you bargained for something, then you, you, you didn't get it stolen from you. You were just stupid, you know? And that's really what happened. But Esau and others wanted to say, but see, he's a cheat. 
He's a thief. And so when they, they use the word heel catcher or supplanter would be a, a more eloquent word to use there. They are saying that he was one that was taking, taking what wasn't his. But remember, he, he really bargained for this. And so here's what we have right here then is in Genesis 35, Jacob has, has been running because uh, he's had to run away from Esau because of the birthright issue and all of that. And, and now he's, he's actually been wrestling with God or wrestling with an angel, you know, different interpretations of exactly what, who he was wrestling with there, but he's been wrestling and, cha- and hanging on. And in in the middle of this, this, he's told, let go, let go. He says, I'm not letting go until you bless me. And so you know what God says after that? Because of that, I'm changing your name. And I'm changing your name to Israel. And the the word Israel uh, in the Hebrew, the Yisra, means uh, prevails. And the word El, just the E-L at the end of it, that means God. So it means prevails God. So it could it could, could mean a couple of things here. It could mean that God prevails. And so imagine you having that name. Instead of your mom screaming out the back door, hey, heel catcher, it's time for dinner, your mom says, God prevails. Every time, God, every time somebody calls you, every time somebody says your name, it's like they are prophesying, God prevails. It, it is a, a, an amazing change of, of, of name here, but I think in, in, I think in this, this context or, or, or this particular instance, what God is actually doing is he's saying, look, you have always been someone who has striven. You, 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 you've worked, you've, you've worked hard, and you've wrestled, whatever it took to be able to prevail, and, and you've gotten some bad publicity with the old name Jacob. And so I'm going to, I'm going to change this just a little bit. It doesn't change completely for me because he's that he'll catch your thing. It's like he was prevailing over his brother, but now God says, I want to fulfill this and tell you who you are. You are one who prevails with God. And that's the other way this word, this name Israel can, can uh, also be, uh, used and can also be, be defined is one who prevails with God. And this, I mean, you recognize that name right there, Israel, right? You recognize that. There's an entire nation. There's an entire generation. There's, there's an entire creed of people. There's an entire race that is, that is named after this man that has come from this man that was named Jacob and his name was changed to Israel. God said, because you have prevailed with God. So, so here's Here's the reason for all this that I'm saying, I've said up to this point of the message, is that the names that we have, most of the time, they're just important about other people around us, the way they see us and things that they've called us, so their hopes and dreams like our parents for us. And they're looking back to our past, they're looking back to our mistakes, and they're looking back to the way we smell, you know, in, in junior high school or whatever, you're right? But when God speaks, and when God, God says, this is who you are, he is not looking at your past. He is defining for you an awesome future. And your name does not define or dictate what your future will be. Now, there's a couple of ways to look at this real, real quickly. Like, s- some people seem to be born in a perfect place, in just an awesome. And, and, you know, you can be born with an amazing name and just an amazing family and like silver spoon in your mouth kind of a thing, right? But you remember what I said last week? Even though you have a destiny, your destiny is not on autopilot. It's not gonna happen just because you were born under that name. Now, people my age, maybe a little bit older, you, you, you know what I'm talking about here if I say the name Kennedy. I mean, just, just a few decades ago, if your name was Kennedy, you were gold. You know, politics or anything you wanted to do, people would just, people, you know, Kennedy, 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 Kennedy. And, but now over the last few 
decades or so, we've seen some of them that thought it was on autopilot. I'm a Kennedy. I'm a Kennedy. I get what I want. I'm a Kennedy. You know, and, and I, so just because you've got an awesome name doesn't mean you get to lay back, put it on autopilot. You still have to prevail. You have to go after it. But here's the other way this looks. And I think this probably applies to more of us. I don't think there's many Kennedys out here today. You know, many silver spoon type people out here today is your name does not dictate your future. Some of you are dealing with not an easy or a silver spoon upbringing, but you're dealing with the mistakes, the, the failures, the problems, the disasters of your past, and you're dealing with that. And so I want you to hear this, is that your name and who you've been yet does not dictate who you will be in the future. God wants to speak over you. And if you are a child of God, Today, he is already speaking over you. This is the future that I have for you. Jeremiah 29 and 11. I love that. And I love the context that I heard a preacher put it in when he said, when he, said he said, you know, that Israel was saying, oh, we're so bad. We're so evil. God could never do anything for us. And, and it's like God said, hey, don't tell me how I think about you. Let me tell you how I think about you. I don't think evil for you. I think good for you. I've got a plan. I've got a hope and I've got a future. And that's what I'm bringing into your life. And I'm not bringing that stuff that yes, then maybe your past, you deserve it. But God says your past is over because I've taken care of it. And your past does not dictate your future. So here's the thing. It's not your name that's important. It's your identity. It's your identity. And you know what? We, we don't know enough of what our identity is. Don't worry about your name. You know, the scripture says you're going to get a new name. You know, I didn't even bring you that verse because that's not what we're, we're not even talking about the name part. You have an identity. That's, that's a one day thing. You have an identity right now today. And you need to understand what your identity is. You need to embrace that and realize because of who you are and what your identity is, you have things at your disposal. You have things that you can do because of your identity. And back to the movie for just a moment, Born, one of the cool things about, about him and in the movie is like, you know, if he gets in a situation and he needs something, I mean, you know, he doesn't have, you know, a backpack that he pulls everything out. He just reaches and grabs something. He uses whatever is at his disposal and he starts working with whatever he's got. He doesn't bemoan the fact, oh, well, I wish I had a gun. I wish I had three or four more bullets or something. He finds something to do. And what a lot of us do is we're, we're still waiting on everything to get perfect for us to start trying to make our life perfect. And God just wants you to just get up right now and realize because of your identity, you have, you have, you have power at your disposal. You have gifts. You have callings and abilities that are, that are already there that you need to be operating under understand what your identity is. I, I, I'm going to finish that a little bit at the end of this message, but let me take this side road to kind of go the other end of that, the other side of that story, because we all know people, right, that are not able to really do life yet because they just, just don't know what it is, you know, life is supposed to be. And it reminded me this week of an old sitcom the Cosby Show. Remember a scene from that? Y'all know The Cosby Show, right? Or, and you've seen it on uh, reruns if you weren't old enough to watch it when it was live, right? And, and uh, this was one of the early ones, and it was when uh, Cliff's daughter, Denise, was still in high school. She was uh, the oldest kid that was still at home, and uh, she was bringing a boy home to meet her parents. 
He was coming for dinner before they went to a movie or something that they were going to. And uh, this boy comes in and, and he's, um, you know, I, I, I really struggle with it. I want to I say he's intelligent, okay? But let me just ask you, if you are intelligent, but you don't use your intelligence, are you really intelligent? <laughs> you know, this guy was cocky. You know, he's still in high school and he's got this attitude, you know, and he had already the, the, this character in this sitcom. Okay, remember, we're not talking about a real person here, okay? It's a character in a sitcom. But he had already been uh, accepted into the elite schools in the United States, the elite universities across the country. And so, ooh, Cliff's kind of impressed. And he, and he said, well, you've been accepted into some fine institutions. Which are you going to choose? And he said, well, I'm not going to college. And Cliff says, oh, so you're not going to college. Well, then what are you going to do? He said, I think I'm going to take some time to, anybody know? Find myself. Exactly. And so Cliff, I can hear him kind of stuttering just a little bit, say, uh, how long do you think you're going to need? And he says, oh, I think probably five, maybe 10 years. And Cliff says, well, that length of time, you ought to be able to find yourself and a few other people. And then they're called in to dinner. They called in, and as they're going toward the dining room, Denise says to her dad, well, do you like him? And Cliff says, well, I don't know, because he doesn't even know if that's him or not yet. <laughs> and we all know people like that, right? Are you, are, are you like that sometimes? Are we like that sometimes? That, you know, well, when I figure this out or that out, then I'm going to become, hmm. When, when I figure this thing out about myself and, you know, it's like we, we're sitting here waiting for all of the cosmos to come together and when all the planets get aligned, then you know what, God, we'll do something amazing for you. You know, you're not going to do anything amazing for God in your own ability anyway. So waiting till you've got it all together ain't going to help. You are going to do something amazing for God because of who he is in you. And when you just accept the fact that I'm just a miserable old sinner that has been saved by the grace and the blood of Jesus Christ, then you realize that the power of God is right now able to do amazing things through you. And here we are, and we have Bourne as our example in the movie that he's not waiting till he finds, he doesn't even wait till he finds out his name. I mean, he's fighting for the right things. He, he's defending those who are innocent. He's doing things. Dave, and I, I've, I've got to get this written down in my head real good, but Dave has quoted this guy over and over, and I, I, I've mentioned it several times, and I never can remember who this guy is, but she, she, she's quoted him. I've heard her use this several times in speaking, and, and, and about this guy that was asked in ministry. He was asked, he said, why did you start the ministry? You know, what called you to start the ministry? And he said, the need is the call. You see, we're still waiting for all the stuff to get in line and all the stuff to be perfect. And while we're waiting for everything to be perfect, people are dying and going to hell. Marriages are falling apart. Kids are getting strung out on drugs and further and further and further and getting further away from what, what, what God wants them to be in. While we're waiting for everything to be perfect, 
And it's never going to be perfect. You want a calling? Then look around you. If you want a calling? Go back to that serve wall right there. We've got, I think we've got about three projects that are just about Christmas and kids that won't have Christmas this year. I know we've got at least two projects that are about homeless people that just, just don't have hardly anything that are going on right now. You want to have a calling? Then go back there and see because the need is the call. You don't have to have a, a, a brick thrown out of heaven with a note attached that says, here's what I want you to do. When you open your eyes tomorrow and you see somebody that is hurting or somebody that is in need, that's the calling that you've been given. It, 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 is, it is wrong for us as Christians to have been so stinking blessed that we, can, that we can allow ourselves to have more than we need when we're looking around and we see people that don't have enough yet. We need to see. And when we see, we will know what the calling is. And this is what God has given us. And, uh, and I'm, we, we jumped. I kind of preached all the way through this except for my scripture right here. Second Chronicles 29, 11. God says, my sons, do not be negligent now for the Lord has chosen you to stand before him and serve him to minister before him and burn incense. You know what it means to be negligent? It means to know what you're supposed to do and not do it. It means to know something and not handle it. He says, do not be negligent. When you see the need, you're the child of God that he has left to be his arms, his hands, his heart, reaching out, going to those that are in need. So find yourself, I don't see something. Back. Well then, ask, ask Haley or, you know, or ask Robin over there, how can, can I buy something to go in one of these bags or, or just make a contribute? Do something. But we've got to stop sitting back and say, when everything gets perfect in my life, then I think God can use me. Now, let me tell you something. There's only been one that has been perfect in this world. Billy Graham has reached millions of people, but he was never perfect. David Wilkerson has spoken words of prophecy over people and over a people of this country, but he was never perfect. You will never do anything from God if you're waiting to get perfect, because you will never be perfect. But if you will understand that as a child of God, you are already you are already into with the power. If you will just receive and accept it and start operating within the power, allow God to do through you what he is calling you to do. The need is the call. Let me say this. I, I, I got a couple of things left to share with you. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me throw this at you real quick because I know we say, well, 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 no, 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 well. We will do what we want to do. Come on, somebody say amen. We'll do what we want to do. Imagine tomorrow you go to the mailbox you pull out a letter from an attorney and he says, I, I have found some documents that prove you were, you were adopted. And I know, you, I know your parents got all those pictures, but you were adopted and you really are a descendant of Donald Trump. Now, some of you would be Snapchatting that picture immediately. You'd be posting it on Facebook. You'd be calling past, Pastor, my ship has come in. We got, we, we got to just have praise report meeting right now. I mean, just, Pastor, it has happened. And you know what? What would it take for you to actually get in the money? Well, you've already got an attorney involved, right? He'd have to file pleadings with the court. Uh, he, would, he would have to write up some papers, maybe file suit, maybe make a phone call and say, hey, Mr. Trump, we know who they are. And, you know, and if Mr. Trump doesn't say, yeah, come on in, be part of the family, then there's going to be a whole lot of stuff. There's going to be a DNA test. You know, and I know the DNA test probably will be the thing that proves you are or not. But, the, but, you know, even when that happens, the doctor doesn't say, well, Mr. Trump, yeah, he really is your son or she really is your daughter. And so you got to give them some of your money. You know, you got to invite, uh, it's not going to happen that way. 
It'll still have to go to a court. It'll still have to go before a judge. And with all the, the millions and millions of dollars that the Trumps have, if they don't want you in the family, they're going to delay. They're going to use the attorneys. They're going to use the court system. They're going to they're use up as much of your time as they can. They're going to bleed you dry of every cent that you own. And I know some of you are thinking, yeah, but if I get to the money, financially, it will be worth it. Aren't we crazy that we would do all that? We would go through all of that trouble, all of that time, spend thousands of dollars to join a family that's probably gonna create more problems for us than it will solve. And we won't just do the simple thing that Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the doors will open. Some of you need a door to open? Jesus said, just knock. If you're a child of God, you're just supposed to start knocking. You, you, don't, you don't need a friend. You don't need an attorney. You just need to start knocking. And if we, what does he say in James? He says, the reason that you don't have is because you don't ask. And so we would go to all that trouble to try and prove that we're a child of Donald Trump. I got some better news for you than that. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your savior, you are already a child of the creator of this universe. And I know you might say, yeah, but he's not handing out the money. He's not handing out the money like Donald Trump? Have you asked yet? God's not an ATM machine, but he says, ask and you shall receive. And it's not just about the money. Because, you know, yeah, Donald Trump, he might bring money into your life, but have you looked at that family? Now, this is not a political statement, okay? I know he's running for president. That's not what I'm saying right here. And I know they're not the Kardashians, okay? I know it's not that, but I mean, there's really, do you really want to be a part of that family? Do you want to leave what you have and what you've had all of your life to be a part of that family? I mean, I think there's very few people in this room that say, yeah, I want to do that. But imagine what we would do. We would go to that much trouble for a little bit of money, with all maybe the other problems. And what God does is he said, I'm just gonna make it simple for you. No attorneys, no DNA tests. You are already my child. All you have to do is ask. And when we ask, we don't just have the financial, but he says the financial. And if you're sick in body, the healing. And if you've got questions, he said, I'll knock, I'll knock those doors down for you. I'll open those doors. I'll make them open. Every area of your life is taken care of. And Jesus just makes it simple. So aren't we crazy? how much trouble we'd go to to just maybe make ourselves some more trouble. We won't just do the very simple thing of asking. Ask. Ask. I, I, and I, I, to, I told Tyler in the middle of the first message when I got here, I said, Tyler, go ahead and give me my last. This is actually my closing. And, and I, this next slide, I was, I was going to wait till I had you down front and I was going to share this with you. But as, as we were standing in worship and I was standing over there during worship, in the first service, I thought, I, I can't just throw this next slide at everybody. I gotta preach this to you. So I tried to hurry and get, get done a little bit before at 11.30 so I could preach this last slide to you, okay? Because you need to understand, I told you I was getting back to this, right? You need to understand what your identity is. 
And some of you, you're really struggling with some battles in your life and some, some issues and some, of, and some of them aren't your fault what other people have brought into your life. And you know what? When you get to those places and, and, and you don't feel like you can pray anymore and you don't feel like there's any victory and you don't feel like, and, and there's no peace and the joy is just gone and, and it's like, God, God, where are, is there anybody besides me that sometimes want to know, wants to know, God, where are you in this? And just, God, where are you? David asked the question, so I think I'm okay. You know, I'm in, I'm in there with the little Psalmist David. It, right? Is it God? Where are you? Let me tell you what to do. What you need to do is you need to throw your shoulders back, stand where you are, and declare what you already know is true. And let me give you a list of a few things right here. That first of all, I am a child of God, and that's a capital G O D. Please. That's not any God. That is the God, the God that created this universe. This is what I know. You might not know this. You might not be a child of God. You might not have asked Christ to be your Savior and and forgive you your sins. But if you have, you know you are a child of God. Of God, not Donald Trump or not the, the, the other 10 richest men in the world today. You are a child of the one who created all of this universe. And because of that, that means my father is in control. Some of you listen to this. You need to stand up and say, my father is in control. Not just God is in control. My father is in control. And if he created all of this, then when it starts going wrong in your life and it starts fouling up, guess what? If he created it, he knows how to fix it. Even if he has to kill it and start it all over, God knows how to make everything right in your life. And it's not some far away, distant God. He is your father. And he is the one that's in control. Imagine that. That means nobody out there controls what happens in your life. I know you think your boss does. I know you think that maybe some uh, dictator in Montgomery or Washington, D.C. or some group of people, and, and you think they control. No, they don't control one. Nothing can happen to you unless your Father in heaven says it can happen to you. He is in control. You need to know, God, here's my prayers. Man, I get there sometimes and just, God... I, one day this week, I felt like God has spoken to me. I'm moved in what God has spoken to me. And you know, it looked like, man, I just created a mess. You know what? I just said, God, we were talking about this last night, right? You know, I mean, I, I, I've done what I thought. And you know, in just a few moments, God turned around and showed me what he was doing there. So thank you, God. You know, here's what you need to do. If you're in that place, like I, I, just, don't, I just don't even know if my prayers are, you need to say, God, here's my prayers. And if you'll go to the Sunday's page and back up to the previous slide there, and actually not a slide, but you'll just back up to the previous point on the Sunday's page, click there on those, on those, uh, on those scriptures and look at those again. That, that proves to you God hears your prayers and, if, and gave you one more on the Sunday's page. It wasn't actually on the screen just a few moments ago. That God hears your prayers that I am chosen. You are not an afterthought. You are not waste material. You are not what somebody had left over when they were done with their life. God has chosen you. When he was forming you in your mother's womb, he was writing your members, the word of God says. He was thinking about who you would be and what you would be, and he has chosen you. Second Chronicles 29, 11, that we just read a few moments ago, says he has chosen. Some of you need to shake off that yesterday and need to shake off those feelings of inferiority and shake off that, well, I'm not perfect. How can God use me? Shake that off and say, I am chosen. I have gifts. I have abilities. I have calling. I have purpose. 
I'm not just somebody sitting on the sidelines. I'm not somebody that everybody else can forget about. I'm not someone that the devil doesn't have to worry about. The devil better worry about me because I have gifts, I have, I have abilities, I have calling, and I have purpose. And they are all from my Father who sits on the throne of this universe. And God loves me. Some of you are struggling with that. Jamie said it just, just, just a little while ago in worship. Some of you are struggling with that. You, you, you're struggling with just loving yourself. You're definitely struggling with the fact that, can God love me? There is no way our Father in heaven would have given his son to die on a cross for you unless he loved you. And you need, if you are a child of God, you know this, you know this. And some of you just need to stand and throw your shoulders back and say it out loud, God loves me. Do I have to say it out loud? No, you don't have to say it out loud, but you need to say it out loud because your ears need to hear your mouth declare that God loves you. And God has already provided for all of my needs. He has provided. You, you, know, you know, he died on the cross for every one of your sins. Every one of your sins has been paid for. All of them. And when did he do that? About 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, he took care of your sin. Right before they put him on the cross, they had him tied to a, a whipping post and they beat his back. And the word of God tells us that was for your healing. 2,000 years ago. And, and if we had time to preach a message right here, just on this one point, we could go scripture after scripture after scripture, story after story, and, and, and show you example after example of times when people were in need, and God said, there it is. Abraham's on top of the mountain, and, and he really had a, he had a big need, and God said, there it is. It's over there in the bush. Been over there for 20 minutes, just been waiting on you to get to the top of the mountain with me. It's there. He's provided. And you need to just say, it might not look like I got it yet, but I already know God's already taken care of this. God has provided for what I need, and my past does not dictate my future. No matter how bad I've been in the past, no matter how many times I have failed, my past does not dictate my future. And I, I put this one here at the end on, on purpose, that death is not the end. Because some of you are dealing with death in your families. You know, I, I, I've got a, a mother-in-law and a father-in-law in heaven that died in the last 15 years. I, I miss them. And my wife misses them more than I miss them. But I, I would like to have them back and I would like to have them back for me, but I'd like to have them back for her. I'd like to have them back for my grandkids. But what they, what they dealt with in the sickness in their life, in their last years, there's no way I'd bring them back. But they're waiting on us. And you know, because I know that, there's no way I'd bring them back. But some of you are dealing with, you know, you don't have that situation where they were sick for so long. Some of you are dealing with the loss of death because of people that died too young or died too wrong. Just it just shouldn't have happened. You need to remember. I, to I told you last week about the previous week how I'd had lunch with one of my best friends in the world and he lost his son at 20 years of age. And, and I told him that day, I said, again, we got talking about it, and I, I just said that day, I, I don't know how I could deal with this. You know, be in your shoes and every morning wake up and realize I'm not gonna get to see my son today. And he basically said that. He said, but I know where he is and I know I'm gonna see him again. And this world ain't all it's cracked up to be anyway. 
Death is not the end. For those of you that are struggling with that, death is not the end. Declare that today. Death is not the end. For those of you that are dealing with the loss and, and you would like to see somebody, just, rem, just say it. Don't just remember it. Say it. Declare it. State it. You need Satan to hear it and you need to hear it yourself too. That death is not the end. Or whatever's up here that you need to be declaring. I want you to get your, your smartphone out. Grab it. We're coming to the front in just a second. I want you to get your smartphone out. I want you to get ready to take a picture. When you get to the front, I want you to snap a picture of this screen right here. I want, I want you to do it because I want you to have this. I want you to have this in your arsenal of prayer every single day. Come on, would you stand and come to the front? If you're a first-time attender, we like to close around front with a final song and a final prayer. And if you're comfortable, we'd love to have you join us for this. So please come on. Bring your smartphone with you. Go ahead, turn it on. Snap a picture of this. Go ahead, get a picture. And you, know, and you know what? We're not even scratching the surface of the things we know that we have in God with this list right here. We're not even, we're, we're not even begun yet. We haven't even started yet. This is just not, not even scratching the surface. prayer team is in place because they want to pray with you. And I want you to let them pray with you. Some of you called me or texted me or emailed me this week and you've got needs. Okay, we're ready. Let's pray right this moment. Is it, is it this prayer team member that he, needs to hear you declare, this is what I know. But God and Satan and yourself need to hear you declare, along with a prayer team member, declare this is truth. Because when you do, the Word of God says, when two of you agree on something together, I'm going to hear it in heaven, and it's going to be done. One of the things, one of the reasons I realized I needed to preach that slide before I brought you down here is God also spoke to me a, a scripture that I didn't, have in my, um, I didn't have in my notes. And that's what I need to give you right here as we close. And this is also in the book of James. Remember where James said you, you, you don't have because you hadn't asked? Earlier, here's what he says about this. He says that God, God, God gives, God gives, and he gives generously. He's not doling out with an eyedropper. He gives generously. Look, every time in the Bible, look at how he did it. There's always too much. David said, my cup runs over. Uh, they, they fed 5,000 people and had 12 baskets full left over. God, God does it generously, abundantly. But he said, if you come, do you hear come, come, come. Okay, don't just stand there. If you've got a need today, I want you to come and let us pray with you. And he said, if, when you come, come with faith, believing. Because the person who comes and doesn't have faith, it's not going to happen. Don't let that man think he's going to get anything. You've got to have the faith. But if you believe that, that this is, is, is true right here, if you believe that it's your father that's in heaven calling all the shots, that he's the one that could stop any of it right now, if you believe that your father has already provided for every need, if you believe all of this, then you come with faith and let a prayer team member agree with you right now and say, this thing is done. And I know some of you might thought, well, why don't you just put that on the website somewhere? Okay, well, that'd be easy, but you know, sometimes we don't need easy. Sometimes we need to just do a little bit on our own, right? And you know what? You don't need it on a website. You've got to go find it. You need it in your, in your smartphone so that, when it, that it's there. 
and you're not dependent on somebody else's website being down. It's in your phone right now. So everywhere you go, and most of you go everywhere you go, you go with your phone and you've got these things that you know to be true. And so the next time you get into a time that you don't know how you're going to make it, the next time you feel like it ain't going to happen, God, where are you? I prayed and prayed and I thought I heard from you. And and now God, it seems like you're far gone. And and, and what's going to happen to me? Because I don't have any answers that you you can say, but I know. Just read the list. Throw your shoulders back. Stand in the middle of that problem and say, but I know I am a child of God and my father is in control. He hears my prayers. I am chosen. I have gifts and abilities, calling and passion. God loves me. He's already provided for all of my needs. My past does not dictate my future and death is not the end. Amen. Join me in prayer right now. Father, I ask you, God, for these standing in front of me. Go ahead, Jamie, when you can.